God has for you today. Because God has something special for you today. And how many could use some extra strength, right? Some extra strength. We need it. And the Lord is here to provide it. Well, one day, three men were walking along and came upon a raging, violent river. They needed to get to the other side, but had no idea how to do it. The first man prayed to God, saying, Please, God, give me the strength to cross this river. Poof! The first man suddenly had big arms and strong legs, and he was able to swim across the river in about two hours. Seeing this, the second man prayed to God, Please, God, give me the strength and ability to cross the river. Poof! God gave him a rowboat, and he was able to row across the river in three hours. The third man had seen how it worked out for the other two, so he prayed to God, saying, Please, God, give me strength, ability, and intelligence to cross this river. And poof! God turned him into a woman, and she looked out at the map and crossed over the river on a bridge. I had to do it. I had to awaken you this morning, okay? (laughs) Well, two aged men, prisoner A and prisoner B, sat in adjoining cells amid the squalor of a brutal penitentiary. The old revolutionaries had been captured in different locations, fighting for different causes. Neither of them had known each other until now. They were chained like animals, and their surroundings were wretched. There was no climate control in this prison, no heat or air conditioning. Depending on the time of year, the prisoners would either freeze or fry. There was no electricity, no electric lights, no indoor plumbing, sanitation, or running water. Cleaning services were unavailable and medical attention scant. Forget about showers or hot linens or clean linens. Forget about mercy. The stench was horrid horrid, and the food filthy and insufficient. The men were always hungry. The primitive conditions were designed to strip prisoners of morale and hope. It was like being sealed alive in a slimy tomb without a ray of courage. All of this had finally gotten to prisoner B. He was a broken man, overcome with suicidal despair. But a few yards away, in the opposite cell, prisoner A was more resolute. He was downright gutsy and seemed immune to giving up. Though at times he battled moments of discouragement, anyone would. He knew how to shake them off. He learned through many experiences how to make the best of any situation, even the worst of circumstances. He was downright cheerful. Two men looked through prison bars. One saw mud, 
the other saw stars. One day, Prisoner B couldn't take it anymore. What's wrong with you? He shouted to his neighbor. Don't you know we are doomed? We are lost? Don't you know that we are either going to starve to death or freeze to death? Or beaten or tortured? Don't you realize that no one cares anymore? Prisoner A looked up from a letter he was scribbling and clutched his thin blanket, tightening it around his shoulders. Are you talking to me? Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. I'm fed up with your cheerfulness. I'm hurting. I'm so miserable that I want to die before this day ends. And any normal man in our circumstances would feel the same way. I think you're delusional. There was a pause. Well, maybe I am, said the first prisoner at last. But I've got some friends on the outside, and they've just sent me some money. I know how to get things. I can get us some food, some blankets, and some underwear. This is a smart man, right? Some soap, and I'll share it with you. I'm doing just, and what I'm doing just now is writing a letter to thank them, the friends that sent me money. At least it started out as a thank you note, but I've gotten carried away. Looks like I've written a veritable epistle. Anyway, if I seem in somewhat reasonable spirits, that's why. I've been working on this letter all week, and it's been therapeutic to me. I feel like I've been preaching to myself. The more I think about these things and write them down for others, the more I realize it is possible for me to stay in the best of spirits during the worst of times. I can do that. In fact, I can do all this through Jesus Christ who infuses me with strength. Prisoner B absorbed this in silence. Then running a filthy hand over his matted beard, he squinted across the dim corridor and said, Then you must be St. Paul the Apostle. I want us to look at our key text this morning, this passage that is very familiar to us, but I want us to see it with new lenses. I want us to see it in the context of which the Apostle Paul wrote these words. It's found in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He writes this, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. I want to first talk about strength to be content. And we see that in Philippians, that first verse, Philippians 4, 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. The word content in this verse is the Greek word atarkis, which means self-sufficient. 
self-sufficient. And it was actually a word that was used by the Stoics. Who are the Stoics? In Paul's day, they were a group of philosophers. And they had come up with this idea of self-sufficiency. To be self-sufficient, meaning that they believed that they could face all of life's circumstances if they just had the right perspective or willpower. Power in self. That's what the Stoics believe. They believe that if they had this calm acceptance to life's pressures, they could overcome anything. But Paul used this term to refer to a divinely bestowed efficiency. An efficiency that was only given by God. Paul used this to debunk or unlodge the Stoics' idea that contentment could be found in oneself through self-discipline or preparedness. Because the Stoics believed that they could do this within themselves. But Paul wanted to unmask this deception. That we can do things through our own strength. He wanted to unmask that deception of self-reliance is the solution to strength and contentment. Because the Bible teaches that all a man's wisdom is faulty. It will never be sufficient enough. And and when we are gut honest with ourselves, we come to the conclusion, without Christ, we are empty, we are void, we are not able, we are numb, we are not able to overcome life's challenges. But Paul used this term of self-sufficient to clarify that this sufficiency wasn't found in one's own strength, but in Christ's strength. Because Christ has extra strength. He gives ultra strength. He gives us supernatural strength. And if we are looking to our own self, our own self-sufficiency, our own strength, it will not be enough. Because what the Stoics didn't factor in is that we have a spiritual enemy who studies us who studies our algorithms, if you will, studies us and sees and puts into place plans that are designed to break us, to hurt us, and ultimately destroy us. Our own defenses will never match up to the enemy's. But Paul is saying, you don't have to rely on self-sufficiency, but on Christ's sufficiency. And I say that this morning because that thought still permeates our society. There is still that thought that if I am self-sufficient, if I just have enough willpower, if I just have a bright perspective, I can do it. But I want to say that without Christ Jesus, we are not able. In fact, we are dependent. We need Christ. It's not God helps those who help themselves. No, God helps those who are entirely dependent on Christ Jesus. Who entirely say, I need you, Lord. I am not sufficient in myself, but I need a God who is high and lifted up. It's the kind of strength 
the Christ kind of strength is that when you look back on the situations of your life and you don't know how you made it, that was Christ's sufficiency. When you don't know how you survived a certain season in your life, that was Christ's strength that picked you up and helped you to go another round. When you were sick or weak, so much so that you couldn't even stand up, but you made it through. There it is again. That's Christ's efficiency. That's Christ's ability in us. That is Christ's power in us. In the year 1999, computer experts became acutely aware that computer software programs were constructed in a way that they didn't account for the new century. You see, what happened was computers were programmed to read the year in two digits only, not four digits. So when the year of 2000 was about to come around, they feared that the computers would see the zero, zero, the two digits, zero, zero, and understand that to be not the year 2000, but the year 1900. And so they rushed to fix this glitch that happened, this computer bug. And so they thought that all computers would break down the financial institutions wouldn't be able to function everything was going to crash and it was going to be the end of the world well i was in my early 30s during that time and i remember what was going on all the fear that was being propagated and at that time we were just kind of like now what did people start doing We started to stock up on things, right? We started a stockpile. We went out and bought canned goods and toilet paper, right? Because we wanted to be ready for what was going to happen. Well, the year 2000, the new year came and went without a hitch. And what did we do afterward? Well, we had Y2K bonfires with chili beans and spam, right? If anybody remembers those days. And I want to say today that preparedness has some value. Be prepared for emergencies. Yes, do that. But don't put your trust in your survival kit. Don't put all your trust in your 401k or your financial portfolio. Don't put all your trust because it's not going to be sufficient enough. Society is trying to sell us stuff all the time. And it's not that difficult to do because we're basically unsatisfied as a society. Would you agree that sometimes our default setting is dissatisfaction? And capitalizing on our dissatisfaction, the worldwide marketing machine spends around $450 billion annually to make you unhappy with who you are, what you have, how you look, and with what you do. At its core, most advertising is designed to make us ungrateful, 
and to feed our greed. A study called Social Comparison, Advertising and Computer and Consumer Discontent reported consumers encounter countless advertising images during the course of everyday life. Many of these images are idealized, representing life more as it is imagined than as it actually exists. Repeated exposure to idealized images raises consumers' expectations and influences their perceptions of how lives ought to be, particularly in terms of their material possessions. The result of both of these processes for some consumers is discontent and an increased desire for more. And isn't that so? People are saying, advertisers are saying, you need this. You need to look like this. If you had this, you would be happy. You would be satisfied. But that's a lie. Because satisfaction doesn't come from the outside of us. It comes from the inside of us being connected to a God that brings satisfaction. To a God who says, I live within you. I am the one who brings meaning and satisfaction to life. In fact, I am the source of life. I am the source of all life. And 1 Timothy 6 Verses 6 through 8 says this, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great worth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can take and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Let us be content. We have the strength to be content. We have the strength to be content because Holy Spirit lives within us. And he brings contentment in every situation. I love what Smith Wigglesworth, a great preacher and renowned revivalist, he said, I am a thousand times greater on the inside than I am on the outside because Jesus lives within me and he gives me the power to be content whatever situation I face and wherever I find myself. When we come to the place where we are no longer externally dependent, but internally connected to the power source who is Jesus, we are content. We are content. And then we have strength through learned experience. Strength through learned experience. And Paul writes that in Philippians 4.12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Paul writes this, I have learned the secret. It is a learned experience. And this word in the Greek is the word myo, which means, it's a technical term, which means to initiate, 
And the thought behind that was that when people went into a secret society or a secret religion, before they could find out the secrets of the society, they had to be initiated. They had to be inducted. And Paul uses this term of saying, I have been initiated through my experiences. I have learned in my experiences how to be content and how to have strength in whatever I go through. What Paul went through in his many trials is more than when, what we would probably ever go through or we could ever boast. You know, then the Navy SEALs the hell week that the Navy SEALs go through would have been a cakewalk to Paul because he had been through so much more. His haters were haters with a capital H, right? I mean, we think we have haters, but Paul had haters. Haters who questioned his apostleship. They questioned his authority. They said his preaching was boring. Wow, the apostle who wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, and they said his preaching was boring. They said that he was weak in person and strong and bold in his letters. They were haters. So Paul has to write his qualifications. He has to write and bring a defense to those who question his authority. And we see a little snapshot of what Paul went through in 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 23. He says this, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. As I have traveled on many journeys, I have faced dangers, danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. As well as from the Gentiles, I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on seas, I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but who are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of the concern for all the churches. Man, he went through a lot. He went through a lot. And this is just a snapshot of what he went through because there was even more imprisonments for Paul. And finally, he died for the cause of Christ by the Emperor Nero. And we see Paul telling us. He's telling us the secret that he has learned. It's like he says, I'm going to be your mentor. 
I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you that this, I've learned this secret. And I want you to know about it. I want you to know it so that when you face things, you will know that there is a secret of being content and to having strength. Because Paul was qualified to share the truth. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit to write the letters of the New Testament. He shares his secret of strength and contentment in every circumstance. And it's like like this mighty man, as he's writing this, he's saying, this is a secret. Listen. Listen to it. Shh. Wait for it. Wait for the secret. Paul says, when I was beaten, I found Christ was enough. When I was shipwrecked, drifting in the open sea with sharks circling all around me, Christ's power strengthened me. When I was pelted with stones and died, went to heaven and came back, I understood that I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know in every circumstance that Christ's power is enough. And he tells us this is a learned experience. That this is a process. It didn't happen overnight. But every time Paul faced another circumstance, he put all his dependency in Christ. And then Christ released explosive power to help him to withstand it and to survive. And not only to survive, but to have joy in the circumstance. He writes, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He writes that, that we can have this type of power that not only gets us through, but gives us joy in the process. He's telling us the secret of being content. And because this is a learned experience, this also means that we may not learn the lesson. That we could go through experiences and choose not to learn. We could choose not to apply the lessons that have been shown us. What's wiser, to learn from others' experiences or go through it all by yourself? He's sharing with us the secret of being able to go through all things, having the power of God working through us. First Chronicles 16:11 says search for the Lord and for his strength continually seek him when we're continually coming before the Lord and we're saying Lord I want your help today I want your strength today when we do that whatever that day happens to unfold we're going to have the strength to go through it. We're going to have Christ's work in us, enabling us to overcome whatever the day is going to bring us. Whatever happens that day, we're covered, we're empowered, we're infused, we're mighty, we're overcomers, we're more than survivors, we're more than that, we're conquerors. We're able to overcome 
Lucado wrote this quote. He says, the key is this. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You do not have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. God gives us what we need for today, today. And finally, strength in everything. Strength in everything. Philippians 4.13 I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Whatever and in every circumstance, because this is what life will bring. It will bring every and every circumstance to us. And remember the context that Paul wrote this? It was the context of him being imprisoned in Rome. He wrote these words while he was imprisoned. He wrote these words in the worst of circumstances. The word in the Greek, pos, for all things, is translated Everything is translated all things. And you know what all things means? It means all things. It means everything, each and any, everything, everything that we go through in life. So is this strength good enough for financial lack? Yes, because it's good enough for all things. Is this strength good enough for stress and anxiety? Yes, because it is strength for all things. Is it good enough for addiction and failure? Yes, because this strength is for all things. Is it good enough in success and achievement? Yes, because it's good enough for all things. Philippians 4.19, Paul writes, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. There was an individual. His name is Richard Warmbrand. And he lived in Romania. In fact, his time was after World War I. And at that time, uh, there was different things going on in Romania. And he didn't know the Lord. But there was this one German carpenter that said, was praying to the Lord. And his desire was to witness to a Jewish person. And Richard Warmbrand was Jewish. And one day, Richard was led to a village. He said out of all the villages, about 200 and some villages in Romania, he was led to this village. And in that certain village was a German carpenter. And so when Richard came, the German carpenter said, yes, this is the Jewish person I am going to witness to. And so he witnessed to him. And through the testimony that he presented before him, William became a Christian. William and also his wife became a Christian and they became believers. 
And then Richard became a pastor. He became a pastor and, and he had a church in Romania. Well, what happened during the years after World War I, there, became, there was an occupancy of, of Russian, the Russian government into Romania. And so Russian soldiers came and occupied the area and they made the nation's religion atheism. Everybody had to adhere to the national religion of atheism. And to believe anything else, you would do so at risk of your life. But Richard, because he had been so changed by the gospel, him and others began to just witness to the Russian guards. They had their... Um, the, the, the gospel, the New Testament printed in the Russian language and they would go and they would witness to the, Russian, to the Russian guards and many of the guards came to know Christ. But they did this in secret and they did this in, in the threat of endangerment. And one day when Richard was walking home from church... A van pulled up close to him. Four men jumped out of the van, covered his head with the sheet, and they threw him into the van, kidnapped him. And he spent 14 years in an underground prison. And him and other Christians, they endured atrocities. They endured things that are unspeakable. They endured these things. And that day that Richard said when they picked him up and they brought him to this prison, the captors were surprised because he had a smile on his face. And they said, why are you smiling? And he said, I'm smiling because in the word of God, there is the command and the promise that says, do not fear. In fact, that promise is written in the Word of God 366 times. Do not fear. Do not fear. That promise for every day of the year. Every day of the year. Not 365 times, but 366 to account for leap year. Every day, that promise And he lived that out. And he said at the times when him and the other prisoners were being beaten. Being beaten on their feet. That at those times they would have visions of Jesus coming into their cell. Jesus being close to them. Of seeing angels around them. And even as they were going through this, this they were having an experience of the presence of God being in that forgotten, horrible place. Because I want to tell you, wherever you're at, Jesus is able to be there. Whatever circumstance you find yourself, Jesus is there, right there with you. He is the God of presence. He is with us and he is infusing us with power, with strength and ability. Whatever we face today, we have the mentors 
we have Paul showing us the secret. He's given us the answers to the test. And then when we're in the test, Jesus is close to us. He will be with us in all things. So I want to read this to us at the end. And and I want you to say it. It's Philippians 4.13. But with a different emphasis on each word. And it says this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And finally, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The key is Christ. The key is Christ. You want extra strength? Then depend on Christ's efficiency. If you need power today, it's available through the resurrected Christ. The one who died, but not only who is dead, but who is alive forevermore. And who is infusing us with strength and power today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are here today. Your very presence. Lord, as we sung songs of breakthrough, you were, you were reminding us that you are the God of the impossible. You are the God of the breakthrough. And Lord, we thank you that, Lord, today your mighty power is available to us. And so, Lord, we yield We give over our mountains to you. We give over the struggles. We give over the impossible things into your capable, mighty hands. Lord, that whatever we go through, Lord, we can understand the knowledge, Lord, that you will be with us in whatever we face. Oh, it may look bleak at times, It may be difficult at times, but Lord, you're in it. You're with us. Lord, sometimes we will accomplish great things. We will be successful. May we never forget that we need your power and your strength. Lord, in all situations, you're giving us extra strength. And I just sense that this morning. I sense that he's giving physical strength to those who are weak in body. I just sense that here in this room today, you have just been going through a trial that you have just felt, I can't make it through this trial. I feel like I'm so weak that I can't do it. Well, today, as you just look to the Lord, As you just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this situation. Right now, I know that the Lord is just lifting you up. He's strengthening you. He's encouraging you. This message, this word was not by accident. This is what we needed today. 
Lord, I thank you that you have been strengthening the body of Christ all over the United States. You have been working during this time, oh God. Lord, you, the church, and you have not been weakening. In fact, the opposite has been happening. The church has been growing stronger and stronger. Because the gates of hell will not prevail against the bride of Christ. In this time, people have been being stirred up. The power of Christ has been stirring up people. And people who have been far away from the Lord are now coming back to Him. Because they sense that they need Christ. And this is no accident. The church of God is going to experience revival like never before. The United States, the nation of this nation, is going to experience revival because God is increasing. God is advancing His kingdom. God is not done yet. Christ is overcoming all things in all places, in all people. champion. He's the victor. He's the mighty one. He's the one who is able. God is able. He is worthy. He is worthy to be praised. And we will know His power and His glory. So Lord, we say we are dependent on You. And You will give us all that we need. In Your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.